WCHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. How do Native Americans understand what we call the paranormal? Does that understanding differ from nation to nation? And what are the false faces? Hello there, and welcome to the 334th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And those questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Tonight we're dealing with a subject we've never addressed before, believe it or not, the profound understanding of the paranormal to be found among Native Americans. I prefer the Canadian term First Nations. Uh, to help us along, we're very pleased to have with us Michael Bastien, co-author uh, with Mason Winfield of the book, the new book, Iroquois Supernatural. And before we go on, I wanted to say, of course, Happy Easter to uh, all our Christian friends, of the uh, Christians of the West, Protestants and Catholics, and Happy Passover. We're in the middle of Passover now to our, our oh, no, actually, just about almost toward the end of Passover now. So uh, happy uh, holidays for uh, whatever you're celebrating on this particular day. Anyway, Michael Bastine describes the early Michael as a rebellious young man, quote-unquote. When he met Tuscarora medicine man Mad Bear Anderson, who left us in 1985, Michael says his life direction changed. Today, he is a healer, storyteller, and spiritual teacher. Along with Mad Bear, Michael's mentors have included Seneca elder Beeman Logan, Tuscarora author Ted Williams, and Cherokee medicine man Rolling Thunder. That, that impresses the heck out of me. I just finished reading his biography. Michael teaches about North America at Council Groves in Kansas, the United Nations of Ohio, the Gathering of Elders in Lincoln, Vermont, the William Kamanda Gathering in Quebec, which I've attended, and the Spiritual Summit of author Doug Boyd in Toronto, Ontario. A co-founder of the research organization Spirit Way Project, Michael serves as an advisor to the Center for Algonquin Culture. Michael and his family live in South Wales, New York. Not Australia, New York. Oh, there you go. So, Michael Bastien, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be on your program. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to have you. So, uh, what would you say is the difference between how the paranormal is understood by the First Nations people and uh, by popular culture? Well, that description or, or what you refer to as paranormal typically falls into a category of events and experiences which most people either don't understand or can't come up with a good explanation for what they're experiencing or what they are sensing at the time. And this question was asked uh, back in September when I was on Coast to Coast with George Norrie. And the best response is that from within the, the Native cultures, they look at these experiences, these events, as normal. So when you go outside of the culture that's when experiences which don't have scientific explanation or have any logical explanation, they tend to fall into that category of paranormal. And basically, the paranormal is a, it's a combination of different dimensions along with spiritual elements. So when these practitioners have for generations 
handed down these traditions. The next generation that experienced this, it was observed and, and treated as a normal part of life or a typical thing that you would experience when you start to work with these elements. Okay, so you mentioned uh, your encounter with Mad Bear Anderson. And how exactly did that change your life? Well, Mad Bear was this influence which I wasn't really sure if that was going to be something that that would or could change my life. And I really, I don't think I was looking for anything to change my life. But as we developed through different stages, I was in my early 20s and I was working full-time and thought I completed all of my education. And when I started to hear and see the experiences from Mad Bear, it started to resonate. And I seemed to not only understand, but was encouraged by the things that he would talk about as, why didn't I learn about this in school or hear about it? from my church or any of the parts of life that we think should be supporting and helping us understand some of the things that become mysteries of life. Well, I can sure echo that. Yeah, so when I met Mad Bear, I was currently um, in between churches. I was raised Catholic. But it didn't seem to resonate so that I could feel comfortable sticking with that. So as I was looking around out there, I ended up in a different type of church. It was the Pentecostal church. And my dad was real strict Catholic, and he didn't like that part of life at all. So that I was involved with a Pentecostal church. He didn't like that part. So he knew that I was beginning to have some interest in the culture. And he had been corresponding and visiting with Mad Bear, so he used that as another avenue in which to take me from the Pentecostal church where I was looking to kind of investigate what Mad Bear was doing. And when I heard the different experiences and I saw the actual events when I saw Mad Bear practiced this experience that they refer to as their medicine or part of their spiritual understanding, I started to see that it was very successful. And I asked him at one point, I said, you know, there's such clarity with the way that he would explain and show and demonstrate that I said, you know, when you're treating someone with an herbal uh, remedy. I said, what percentage of that plant actually does the healing? And he didn't hesitate for a moment, and he just said 10%. Now, <laughs> I'm thinking, it's got to be 40, 50, 60, somewhere up higher than that. And he said, no. He said, and here's why. He said, did you ever hear of the type of healing that can occur without any medicine? And I said, yeah. I said, I have heard of cases like that. And he said, that's my kind of healing. And when he would describe a little bit more, it 
started to get clearer to me that what he was actually doing is convincing the patient that they had the ability to do this healing. And the way he would do that is he would do a reading for them. And when he would complete his reading, he would show them that he could actually see things in their life, experiences within their life, and they would gain his confidence or he would gain their confidence. And by doing that, he told me that I could even recommend the wrong plant, and he said, and it would still heal them. And he said, because I've convinced them that I've been able to see things within their life and he said, so they have the confidence that he would recommend the correct thing to do. So that's why he didn't even hesitate when he said about 10% of the plant is all that it takes to complete the healing. So that was in the very early stages. And when you see that this application, that technique, and using it, it works in every part of life. And what that does is it just means that the practitioner has had enough experience to use all of their sensories to recognize that in order to achieve this, we don't need fear, we don't need anger, but they need to have a little bit of supportive energy. And I guess that comes from utilizing some of the plants, like they use the white sage, um, they use their sacred tobacco. They use other components of that as offerings, but they seem to have this insight that knows how far to go with each situation. And by having that insight, it really had, was this developing of how to use these teachings that they've been handing down for generations. One of the questions I always had was, and I've rubbed elbows for well, decades off and on, I'm blessed to have rubbed elbows with certain shaman here and there, Australia and, and northern Quebec, the Cree, people of this kind. And they, uh, I, I was blessed that they opened up to me. They don't often do that, as I understand it, uh, after getting to know them just a little bit. But I have wondered, within the native cultures, there must be a certain amount of dilution going on. In other words, you know, we talk about diversity, but the fact is we all grew up with McDonald's, hamburgers, and baseball, and all this business, and, and there must have been, a, there must be a certain amount of dilution of the teachings and the uh, and the, the experience of the reality among at least Native young people. I, am I wrong? Well, you're actually hitting in an area where there has been some, but what we found, and this takes generations to establish the findings, what we found is that at certain points in time, this information can surface in anybody, and it doesn't even have to be a person with native blood. It can be someone who's been associated with the native people, and then they start displaying these insights. They start having this ability to know what's the next step to do without ever being true and ceremony. 
And that is the interesting part that started to surface around that time during Rolling Thunder's period that he was uh, actively involved. So when you see and hear things similar to that, that there are other people who haven't had their whole lives immersed in the Native culture, but they, they start to display and show a natural ability, that's when people like myself would take notice and you start to nurture and experience them and help guide them or lead them in a direction that says, you know, you could be someone that we've been anticipating or waiting to hear from and by demonstrating what they are able to do and then finding out that their background has had no influence from the native culture, those are the types of things that they would look at as typically a paranormal experience because where would that information be coming from where someone would know how to step into a situation and how to address that with the tradition and the medicine from another culture. Well, perhaps, uh, no, I'm sorry, just uh, yeah. we're coming up on a break, Michael, but you, you just managed to walk straight into the next question, so that, that's good. But we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll be right back with Michael Bastine, uh, Iroquois healer and author, and you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com, and we're discussing Native Americans and the paranormal. We'll be right back. So what are you thankful for? The I'm Thankful Network explores the positive. Join host Sue Lundquist Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time. Empowering women, empowering lives. The I'm Thankful Network on New Sky Radio. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, the Dr. Pat Show is alive with a distinctive blend of interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational, and practical information. Get in the know. Following Dr. Pat, join host Laura Lee for Laura Lee's Spirit Salon. Contact your dearly departed spirit guides and angels to find answers, closure, guidance, insight, revelations, and prophecy regarding matters of the heart by contacting the other side through acclaimed medium Laura Lee. You are not alone. Batter up. Life's a game. Win. Call and get advice from today's top coaches that are here to help you win the game of life. The Coach Me Network is live starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. NewSkyRadio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons. No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com.
CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New SkyRadio.com. And welcome back. And we're having a fascinating visit with our guest, Michael Bastine, Iroquois healer and author of Iroquois Supernatural. And we got into an interesting area here just before the break about the uh, nature of the culture, the loss of interest, perhaps, by young people. But... Uh, during the break, we were talking, Michael, about how the, the realities of the, the the real world, I mean, the real, real world, are, are buried in all of us, and that any anyone can come forth as a leader, regardless of who they are, where they come from. Uh, if you just like to comment on that before the next question, I think that would be great. Sure, uh, I'm I'm convinced that the time frame that we're in right now, I'm not so bothered by the distraction of the really young people that, that it has kind of driven a wedge between the culture and the life because what I'm starting to sense is that there are bigger elements that are at work right now and these people, these uh, native people who have been kind of distracted by this uh, technology or whatever part of life that seems to be very popular right now, I'm convinced that they will almost instinctually come back to these roots. And it may not happen next year or the year after, but I think within the next five years, we're going to see uh, a, res a resurgence, an actual return 
to these basic uh, understandings <clears throat> because we're actually in this time now where uh, what I'm convinced of is that the Mayan calendar is not a uh, warning of the end of the world, but it's a time to recognize that the cycles that the humans have operated in, which have happened in the past, are happening again. But what seems to happen at this particular time is that every life form that seems to be resonating and working on the harmonious will actually make this huge evolutionary leap. And the leap will be to rise the, the actual consciousness. They will be higher functioning life forms. So whether it's a plant, an animal, or a human, the ones that are already having the tendency to align themselves in a harmonious way, these will be the things that will automatically just come back to the people. So that's why I'm, I'm not real concerned. I know some people are, but I'm thinking that this will be a time in which we won't abandon these people, but we will keep them close enough to keep reminding them that this is actually a a part of the essence of who they are, what they represent in this life. And it will be to their benefit and to the benefit of the life around them for them to come back to recognize that this just means that they become more insightful to how to be respectful to the life that's around them. Yes, I've sort of returned to our common roots. I think that's extremely hopeful and desirable. Mm -hmm. It is. Ben? Okay, so here's the question you walked into. <laughs> yeah, that you about a couple minutes ago. So I've been training uh, under an Aztec shaman for oh, about two years now, and I'm descended from the Wampanoag shaman uh, Piano. And uh, what is it that would uh, make me a shaman? The training, my blood, uh, my abilities, or all three? It it would be a combination of all three. Because just to have an ability to work with or have an ability to um, know which elements that you want to connect with is only a part of what this represents. So actually what I'm seeing is the purpose behind this is actually to make humans recognize that what they're really striving for is to become a better human being. Yeah. And the better human being is one that would be able to use the culture as the guide to take them to a certain point. Once you reach that point, my question is, then where do you go from there? What, what do we do to go beyond the culture? The culture is here as a teacher and a guide but it also has a purpose up to a certain point in which you start to say, where did it take me and where am I going with this? And basically what it shows you is you are striving to improve your, your ability to have this relationship with this life and with the other humans. And it's basically not needed to have a race or a culture. 
it will take you through life to a certain point that you should start to ask that question of, well, what do I do with my culture now? If I've learned how to flint map or make drums or do uh, false faces or have ceremony or all of these things, what is the really objective of the goal that the culture is trying to show us? And in every instance, you will see the, the goal through the culture is trying to help us understand what makes up a, a better human. And mm. when you start to see that, it really becomes a very interesting and intriguing part of life. One of the toughest things for those of the Western mentality to grasp, and I, I tried to get this across in, in my last book, Turning Home, is that the notion of the individual is really an illusion. It's, it's a sense of self-reference, and that the sense of self can be extremely destructive, as we can see, and that rediscovering ourselves through looking out of ourselves to others in this great reality you've been describing is what we have to learn to do. Am I stating that correctly? You have nailed it, because what has been established in the so-called mainstream, the model that they seem to be following is kind of a distortion of the spin-off from Darwinism, mm. which was yes, exactly. the interpretation of survival of the fittest. And in reality, if that was true in nature, then we would only see a few species that would be there because they would be the survival of the fittest that would prove that theory out. Mm -hmm. But in reality, we're seeing a whole diversity of many species that are very successful. So what it's actually telling us is that the Native American structure, the way they've structured their culture, is around this, this other, and it's not a theory, it's a philosophy that they live. It's survival of the harmonious. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Once yeah, once we see that, then we start to understand, wow, they had this ability to, to incorporate individuality along with this theory or philosophy of survival of the harmonious. In order to really succeed, we need to work together. Exactly. Maybe, gee, I love your book. Maybe I'll send you, I'll send you a copy of mine. <laughs> I value your, your feedback on it. Anyway, uh, what is the difference? Is there a difference between a shaman and a medicine man? I know we use labels all the time. But. Yeah, it, not really. I mean, it, it depends on which part of the world you're coming from, which seems to describe certain people who have achieved a certain level of understanding. So in certain parts of the world, they will refer to them. Normally, I hear that usually coming out of, like, Siberia, the shaman type of thing, or some other parts of Asia. But typically, the medicine man or the medicine person label or title seems to come more from the Native American. Mm -hmm. And they're typically the same individual as far as their practicing and, and the understanding that they hold because it does reinforce how they develop their ability by working with this, I guess what you would call is 
the uh, success or the practice of the harmonious. Even though we may not be in total agreement on all levels of life, to the larger part of life, we are in agreement. And we do understand that in order to obtain and do the things that we want to help each other, that's where that uh, working together, the part of the harmonious, even though you may not agree completely with what your other people around you are doing or partaking of, but as long as they follow that, that basic element of the harmonious, that seems to override any of the, the individual differences between those people, those ones that are practicing in other, other types of therapies or other types of, of ways of administering what we call medicine. Hmm. Okay, well, we have another break coming up. Uh, we'll be right back with our guest, Michael Bastina. CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. So stick with us. Take CBS Radio to Sky with you wherever you go. Be sure to download the Radio.com app today from your mobile marketplace. And when you really want to know more, 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 be sure to visit NewSkyRadio.com. Get in deep with exclusive articles and Sky News. Get your weekly horoscope and the inside scoop on host events. Radio.com and NewSkyRadio.com. Stay connected.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New skyradio.com. And welcome back. And we're having a great talk this evening with Michael Bastien, Iroquois author and healer. And we've been getting into some of the, the notions of what it, it means to be human, really. And uh, what, the, what the natives have to contribute to that. And uh, certainly it is the same probably as, as our, all of our remote ancestors would have. And we lost it and we're hopefully going to get it back. But um, let's talk a little bit of, in the remainder of the show, uh, Michael, about some of the phenomena you write in your book, uh, Iroquois Supernatural. Uh, now, bear with me because my question needs a little bit of a, of a preamble. Now, naturally, my now while I have some native ancestors, my background is... Western, you might say scholarly, and I started out in the early 70s when I was in the seminary, uh, much like the garden variety ghost hunters you might see today, except that I had some formal training in a couple of fields that related to it. And I gradually learned that all that didn't come close to explaining the reality I was experiencing, and that our remote ancestors, people I respect a lot, native peoples of all cultures, had it, had it pretty well down. Now, I started meeting shamans at the same time I started getting into quantum physics, Instead of a spirit world uh, in the classical seance room sense, I stumbled into a multiplicity of what seemed to be parallel physical worlds and even interacted with some of the denizens thereof. And shamans told me that I was on the right track. And I really started running into the trickster, something we might want to get into sometime. Uh, I'm probably getting bogged down in terms here, but what has always confused me a little is that my native friends knew all about this multiverse that physicists now talk about routinely, but they still talked in terms of spirits and the soul being separated from the body. And you talk about it in the book, uh, in your section on wailing spirits. Now, sure, I've run into entities that seem to be constructed of a different type of energy than matter, and matter is really just energy, but I've never encountered a human in any world that's just a spirit, from my own judgment. Uh, it's always the human in a parallel physical reality where they never die, uh, body and all, uh, physical reaction, uh, interaction is even possible. Uh, by native terminology, uh, however, it seems uh, clearly to stick to what I can only call sort of a spiritualist approach. You know, so in other words, I, I'm not seeing what some native elders talk about, that, that's people dying and the spirit separating from the body, not just native elders. Everybody sort of thinks of death that way. So I don't know if I made myself clear or not, but what do you say about all that? Am I, am I wrong or am I just in, you know, interpreting things? No, you're actually very close to, and, and here's where I think there's a difference of understanding and it's because each one of us is in a our own particular place that we are seeking, uh, in some cases, a very specific piece of information. Mm. So as you start to um, travel or transverse through, whether it's dimensional or spiritual, and, and I'm really not convinced there's any difference between those two terms. Nor am I. Because... Right, and, and what we start to understand is that in the realm that we are in right now, that we physically experience and interact with, is probably the lower level of the dimensional world. And in the lower level dimensional world, we have on occasion get experiences from these other dimensional places or spirit worlds 
that are less physical, but they are physical. And by them able to interface with us, and they only do it at periodic times. It's, it's not a, a constant where people can say, well, we know at this particular place and this particular time, we can bring in people to observe, and they will experience certain things. What we're starting to see is that as we get closer to these cycles that are culminating, we will encounter more frequently some of these experiences. But we need it's, it's to already happening. It is. It is already happening. And people will begin to understand that it's not there to intimidate and it's not there to cause us to doubt or question, but it's there to actually verify and confirm for us that what our suspicions may have been are real. And yeah. when we start to be able to interface with the things that we know are real, because in the dimensional place that we're in right now, this is a world that we can confidently say it's a world of duality. And the duality is represented continuous to us, whether we see it in light and dark, or from the heat and the cold, or you, there's so many references that show us good and evil. There's, there's so much. If we get caught up in the duality, we lose sight of what's beyond the duality. And what's beyond the duality is what the physicists are now coming up with, which they refer to as singularity. I like that. And that's what, and that's what exists is, we don't buy into the duality because the duality means that you're actually splitting yourself. You're yeah. actually pitting the left against the right. And in doing that, you will never become complete. You will never be able to accomplish what the potential that you have by looking at yourself using the human element as a model and saying, where would we be if we followed survival of the fittest? And you were right-handed. And while the left side, while you were sleeping, the right side was contemplating or always trying to overcome and destroy the left side. So when you use yourself as the model, you see the two hemispheres of the brain. You see that we have two ears, two eyes. We, we are a mirror image of the left and the right, but we're one. It's almost like the yin-yang symbol that says, even though it's a single symbol, it has this duality built into it, as do we. And instead of favoring one side or the other, we have to use both in unison. And this unity is what we're supposed to carry from this example into the next level that says, go beyond the duality. Don't get so caught up and saying, no, I want to stay on the right side, and someone wants to stay on the left side, and then there's other people who want to just stay in the middle. And you go, do you see the diversity of the whole experience of life? If we call what we understand to be balance, you will move through all three of those stages. You will not stay in the left side, you will not stay in the right side, and you won't stay in the center, because the activity of life should take you to all of these places and have you understand using a culture is the best way to do this because it will balance things.
And if you wanted perfect balance, this is what I explained to people as a kid. You would go out and step up on a teeter-totter. And if you have perfect balance, it's boring. That's <laughs> not real life. You just stand in still with teeter-totter level. So what we do is, without trying to bottom out on one side or the other, but we shift our weight, we shift a lot of our energy, we move through this life, going through the different stages of balance, but that's what balance really is. Well, Ben, I think we've um, I think we've found an ally in our war against Renee Descartes. Oh, yes, good. Yes, good. More of us, the better. I'm sorry, I hope I didn't interrupt much. No, no, not at all. Because these are the, the types of things that we need to share with the so-called what has represented itself and calls itself leadership. We we don't have leadership anymore. It's it's a matter of individuals who are what I call elected officials, but they really don't display the characteristics that I understand as what we know is leadership. Leadership, first of all, needs a spiritual base, Mm -hmm. and it almost needs a scientific base, but they need to be collective in unison to say we are working together to bring about the explanations and the insights for the highest function for all the ones around us. And when you start to see how that works and you see, wow, there are certain components of every culture that can key in and focus and become very, I guess, concentrated in that area, that's when you start to see those are the teachings that should show us not to get so involved that we become so imbalanced that we can't function in the other parts of life. Quite true. Quite true. Well, we are coming up on another break, but you do have a chance to ask the question, I guess, Ben. Okay. Well, this is sort of, um, I wouldn't say like a 180 of like what we were just talking about, but this is just a completely different subject. (laughs) So uh, near where uh, we live, uh, probably a good like 30 miles away, um, the uh, Wampanoag Council House is in a place called Freetown State Forest, and it's in Massachusetts. And we've had some pretty strange experiences there, and usually the, peop- the people that are with the Wampanoags, they, don't, they, they barely ever visit the council house because they hate going there because the place is uh, supposedly really haunted. So uh, going on to the actual question, uh, can you tell us about the little people or Pukwudgies, if they are in your tradition? Yes. Okay, uh, actually, I'm going to have to wait till after the break before you answer that. I'm sorry. But, okay. Uh, okay. So anyway, we will talk about that when we come back. But you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, newskyradio.com. Our guest, Michael Bastien, and we will discuss, I guess, Pukwudgies when we come back. So please stay with us. Thursday is a power-packed day here on the sky. Join us at noon for the I'm Thankful Network. At 1 p.m., it's the Dr. Pat Show. At 4 p.m., Colette Baron-Reed takes the stage for the Colette Baron-Reed Show. The Colette Baron-Reed Show, where intuition, practical spirituality, great advice, a little woo-woo fun, and fabulosity meet. Colette Baron-Reed is an internationally renowned intuitive counselor, educator, and best-selling author who helps others recognize and connect with their own intuition, potential, and purpose. 
powerful motivational speaker, charismatic broadcast personality, and acclaimed performer, storyteller, and recording artist, Colette uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower her clients to live a life that is awake and authentic, and to create a reality that is spiritual, deliberate, and meaningful. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. NewSkyRadio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons, no boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com. Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com. Believe. 
All right, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with our fascinating guest, Michael Bastine. And we are talking about, uh, well, we just went from talking about what humanity is and its purpose into a rather different subject of puckwudgies or the little people in uh, some Native American traditions of the strange little creatures that live in the woods. But every every sort of culture has something to that effect. But, uh, Michael, uh, care to answer the question? Sure. Um, it is a part of the culture. They are recognized as these beings that, well, when I've heard some of the elders talk about them, they will say, you know, they're not all good. And as I would inquire and I would check with Mad Bear, he knew that I was of the type that will accept a lot of things that I don't need proof of or I don't need verification. But I guess he knew that when it got into things like the little people who can be, I think, travelers within different dimensions, mm-hmm. uh, he, he asked me one time, he said, I want you to bring down that glass case that was a small container of glass. It was um, like a candy dish, but a little bit smaller. And it was purplish in color. And I brought it down, and it had cloth in it, and it had cedar and sage. And when he opened it up, there was a little human skull inside with a full set of teeth. And I'm going to say it was about the size of one of those appliance light bulbs that are either in your refrigerator or your dryer. And he said, notice that it has the full set of teeth. And it was a complete skull. He said this was discovered in what they call Syracuse, New York, or in Onondaga, right outside of Onondaga. Mm-hmm. He said when they were digging the Erie Canal. And he said the work crew that discovered that reported it to the Onondaga people when they found it. They sent their medicine people over who recovered the remains and it's been handed down, and Mad Bear happened to have that in his possession. And I just, when I observed that, I just said, you know, if I didn't see things like this, I just, I would have a hard time believing that they would be in existence. And on one of our trips, coming back from Oklahoma, we were driving through the Ozarks, about two or three in the morning, and Mad Bear wakes up out of a sound sleep and he goes, where are we? And I said, somewhere in the Ozarks. And he said, well, at the next exit off the highway, he said, find a little motel. He said, we'll get a good night's rest and we'll, we'll take the trip on again in the morning. So I see a light. After a few miles, I pull off. We get a room. I get his luggage and get him settled in the room and as I'm getting my stuff unpacked, I hear a sound outside our motel door. And it almost sounded like children playing. It was a high-pitched voice or voices, and they talked like in a little chattery voice. It was just like, 
this really high-pitched call. And when I heard it, and I heard it again, and Mad Bear was in the bathroom, I went over, I knocked on the door, and I said, Hey, Bear, I said, man, I'm hearing something really strange. I never heard a sound like this before. So he comes out, he listens, and sure enough, it, it comes out again. That sound happens again. And Mad Bear's eyes got really big, and he goes, Oh, man, he said, that's little people. He said, go on out to the car. He said, get our leftover dinner, the chicken and those biscuits. He said, get those out. He said, and as soon as he said that, it flashes in my my head. It's like, well, wait a minute, why me? (laughs) (laughs) We're we're now going into an adventure that I've never had before, but that soon passed. It only was just momentarily. And I went right out to the car. I grabbed our leftovers. I laid it out under a tree that was nearby the, the front of the motel. He said, we'll just wait. He said, we're not going to disturb them. He said, they really like it when you gift them with food. So we waited, and he heard. we both heard the voices again. And after a short time, he said, well, go on out and check the napkin. And I went out. The napkin was there, and all the food was gone. So I'm convinced that they do interact with us, and they do know who we are as we go through this life. And when we go to places where they may be, uh, in fact, what was interesting is in the intro, when you mentioned Dean and Logan, uh, Ted Williams, as a kid, his dad would leave him by a tree. We're going back into the the early 30s and 40s and when Ted was real small his dad would leave him by a tree and Ted would say these little people these little kids would come out and play with it now, I hate to and say this wouldn't... stuff but we're, we're just flat out of time Michael I'm sorry okay. we are definitely okay. going to do this again but thank you you you've re- always leave them wanting more that's our philosophy of broadcasting uh, but you're uh, right we're going to be in touch off the air because I think this is going to be an interesting. Uh, you're going to be an interesting guest, and, and very frequently. But thank yeah. you. T- tell us a, just very briefly about your book and where people can get it. Okay, it's uh, Iroquois Supernatural. It's available at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and actually any of the electronic um, distribution. You can get it um, just about anywhere. It, it, if you check it online, you'll see it come up. It's from Inner Tradition Baron Company. They're a great publishing company. Um, it's just, uh, it was a great experience to do this, and we're moving on. We're, we're working on a second book now. I'm not using Mason at this particular time, but uh, it was a great experience to work with Mason and have this opportunity to share these types of things with people who may have some interest. Excellent. Well, Michael, thank you again. We'll be in touch off the air, and uh, I'll tell you folks, it is a great book, so check it out. Okay, so many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson, and we will see you next Sunday, April 15th, when my dad and I will welcome back parapsychologist Dr. Andrew Nichols for a look at seances and Ouija boards. And in the meantime, tune in into our Boston uh, Providence Drive Time Show on WOON 1240 AM and worldwide.com. Uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern time every Monday. You can always get free podcasts of all their shows. There are nearly 400 now with show schedules and just information at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And we'll leave you with an ancient proverb. Treat the earth well. It was not given to you by your parents. It was loaned to you by your children. 
Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We'll see you next time.